You're listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and uh, we have been talking to a variety of people over the past few weeks in the entertainment industry who are impacted by COVID, and they are in Ireland and other parts of the world. And I have Shane O'Farrell uh, on the in the studio with me, and Shane is in Vienna at the moment. He's uh, from Ireland, and we're going to hear first of all what he doing in Vienna, what brings him there, and a bit about his career, a bit about his music, and uh, where things are going, and how COVID has been impacting his career, his income, his life, and I think what's most important in these conversations is how it has been impacting mental health because that is really the challenge how people are staying sane how they're staying focused how they're staying motivated and how they're not pulling their hair out uh, Shane thanks a million for coming along you're very welcome it's lovely to be talking to you so we're going to cover a bit of ground here um, you're, you're, you're a dub I am a dub yes I'm very much so for all my sins <laughs> And what part of Dublin? I'm from Tala. Right. Tala's stroke Bally That's my, my line. Right. And uh, music and the music industry and uh, music. How long have you been in, in? What's the history here? Do you know, I've been told. I, I, had a, I was having a chat there recently with Irish Music Magazine and they wanted a timeline. And that was the first time I've ever thought about it. I think I'm, they told me it's 25 years, Austin, so... So you were a child prodigy. You were a child prodigy. Well, I didn't start that early. Mostly just to, I've got a good, uh, uh, good colouring of uh, sun at the moment. So that's right. probably a few years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the grey is only creeping into the beard. It hasn't hit the head yet. But go on. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. I okay. Think. Okay. So, so you're looking at uh, 25 years, you said. Yeah, I think so. I started writing in, um, I mean, we've been singing all our life back home with me granny and Bally Fermis, you know, at the sessions and things like that. Er, er, we've I come from a house of singers, you know, which is probably a Dublin thing as well, you know. Like, there wasn't many players. We're all singers. And um, and that's kind of where I cut my teeth with the family back at, back at sessions when I was a kid. And, and when I went to art college then, my granny bought me a guitar and I just started strumming away then you know so I met a lot of musicians on, on the go travelling around then so and when you went to college so where did you go to college strangely enough I went to Ballyferm at Senior College which is an animation college linked strangely enough to um, Toronto you know the animation college there in Toronto in Canada yeah there's a bit of a tie in there right right and that but so that was when you said the animation but from a music perspective then after you uh, did you, uh, did you studied music I didn't, no, I didn't. I was just like, for some reason, I start writing as soon as I could play. Right. And, um, and that's kind of what happened. I, I cut my teeth as I was writing, and I kind of based my music, and I suppose, could I say, prowess around the actual form, formation of lyrics and finding the right music for the right song, if you know what I mean. Right, right. That's kind of how it worked out, yeah. And I, I think just playing with musicians, like when I was working, I've, I've worked around the world in animation studios, but in, in the evenings I'd be going to trad sessions and playing and writing and had a lot of time in the evenings to kind of just hone the craft or, you know, become a little bit obsessive. So what would you say was your first publicly performed piece, your own? Your own composition that you had the, that you had the guts 
to go out and perform in front of somebody else? Well, strangely enough, I did it with a band in Tala. I would have been about 21, 22, and we were doing, you know, the usual um, covers and things like that. And I'd written a song called um, Crazy Mrs. Whelan about one of our neighbours. Right. And we sang it, and, uh, yeah, I was I was a nervous wreck. Like, like we were young, and, yeah, it went down well, you know. It was one of those things it's, it's very hard to quantify, really. It just, you know, the lads pushed me into doing it. I was very shy when I, when I was starting out. Right. But I can see, I can see in the, in the way you, you, you lit up there that it brings back a happy memory. Oh, it was great. It was a great... I played, I was actually in the High Street in Tala. It was one of the uh, children's open days, you know, that you'd have during the summer. And um, I stood on stage. I was that nervous. I had the guitar, but I couldn't play it, and I just had it in front of me. And the band played around me, but... Yeah, it was one of those baptism of fire, I think. So, where did you go from there? Just kept writing then, joined, joined bands, and um, as I said, when I got out into the world working in, in the animation industry, there was plenty of music in the evenings, and I, I, was meet, I was playing with some great musicians, and I told them I had a few songs, and of course they would, they would encourage you to play, and then they jump on the back of them. So... As well as having a kind of a, a punk background and alternative, I was I'd be big into kind of guitar bands, but not your rock and roll. Like I loved Tim Lizzy and U2 and things like that. But I was also into a kind of more indie, indie scene, but I was lucky enough then to be um, carried along by the traditional side of things, you know. And again, with, with ballads and, and the old songs, they were always there. I never had to learn them. I knew them, you know. And when you say traditional, you're not, you'd be more into what would be the Dublin balladeer traditional style, the likes of the Luke Kelly, Ronnie Drew, or would you be into what would have been coming out of the Piper's Club? It would have been the Dubliners, yeah, all that scene, really. Yeah, yeah. But I was a big lover of, of the older ballads, and I'm talking the other Thomas Moores, and and I, again, I love my, I love the old traditional tunes as well, like you know, she Vyog, she Moore. That's kind of that, that really inspired me. That track, you know, where Carolyn, right? His his um his piping was just yeah. It, it was always there. Do you know what I mean? Often it was influenced, and then you know, heavily influenced then by I suppose, you know, the Irish line of pop. A lot of people wouldn't know this, but you know, the background that the Irish background that the Beatles would have with the Smiths. Right. You know? Yeah. And that was kind of encouraging as well. Right. Pop music could also be Irish, you know? So then over the years... Um, and then the Pogues... Like, yeah, and of course the, yeah, the, Pog, the, the Pogues changed, I suppose, the perception of... They came at a time where they radically changed the direction or, or the perception of what Irish music was and capable of. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And, you know, in a, in a weird kind of way... I think they really caught the the spirit of Irish music, that kind of random random abandonment of, you know, rhythms and roots, not just um how to play something or the sound or where you came from, where you where, whether you're a Sligo fiddler or you know, I think they really embraced that rebel spirit that was in the lyrics, you know, because I think Irish music is, is freedom, you know, it's it's expression. And we were talking recently as well here living in Vienna, you know. I, I work, play with a lot of classical musicians and you always get the impression that they're so kind of tied down to the tradition of classical and everything is on point that they miss that spiritual, I suppose, delving into their, their own culture and, and the, the strange rhythms and elements that come out of 
of traditional music, you know. So you just mentioned you're living in Vienna. What brought you there and how long are you there? I was um, accosted in West Cork by a, um, an Austrian lady. Strangely enough, I was playing in the bars in, in uh, Chronic Hilti and I met this Austrian girl and lo and behold, I was found myself in Vienna a couple of, about two years later. What's interesting there was, I, I won't quite say I was accosted, but uh, using your terminology, I was accosted by a West Cork girl in Dublin. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's something in the water. <laughs> um, so we have we have the polar parts there of the story. So how long have you been out there? Yeah, I'm here now five years. Right. So the music scene there is going to be very different. You said yourself there that you know traditionally Vienna is associated with classical Strauss and um, that type of uh, pomp and ceremony that goes with big orchestral music from the Baroque period and everything else. Um, yeah. I don't see the Pogues fitting in there too comfortably. Well, you know, that's, that's, you would think that, but not many people know this. Vienna has a deep, rich Irish history that goes back 1,500 years, and, and so does Austria. You know, the first patron saint of Austria was um, Coleman. He was an Irish um, martyr, mm-hmm. and he was the patron saint of Austria for 500 years. There is that subcultural Celtic heartbeat here, you know, because they were Celts before the Romans, and and um, they love Irish music. I've been fortunate enough to be playing through Germany and Austria for the last 10, 15 years, so the transition wasn't too severe, you know. Right. So when you said that there's an appreciation for it, there's, it's one thing with traditional music particularly, that's even in Ireland, um, it was nearly a subculture. So it's, yeah. not, it's not a mass product. So, in reaching your audience and in reaching that subculture, is it difficult to find it, reach into it, and connect with it on mainland Europe? It is and it isn't. The Dubliners and the likes of Clannad and, um, you know, even, even Alton, they've done some, some amazing work here. They've set up, they've really reintroduced Irish music to the continent. So, a lot of the work has already been done. I'm literally just hear me singing and and then obviously I sing Oscar as well so to, to, to them it's yeah it's already there Austin you just have to plug into it but you still have to knock on doors and I've been very very fortunate with who I've met and the music tends to open doors anyway yeah because there's a few big festivals I know in Switzerland you have uh uh that major festival every year that attracts a lot of Celtic um, and there's a few other places um, but when you mention Asgelga, um did you grow, grow up in, with Irish around in the house and uh, no. at, so and, and it wasn't an Austrian down in West Cork taught it to you so where, where did the love of the Tionga Bio come from? Grow was always there you know it was always there I, I, had, um, I had a great strangely enough again I had a great teacher from West Cork from Skibbereen a Mr. Deneen and he would teach us Irish two songs right you know and um, it just felt it felt right to me you know what I mean and like unfortunately I, I didn't we didn't have Irish around now we're lucky enough now that my sisters and all their kids are speaking Irish and stuff coming up so it's great but yeah 
it was English in our house, and but that didn't mean that my granny wasn't heavily influenced. You know, they would be all they'd all have that nationalist uh, streak in them, that fire right. in their bellies. You know. So when you come to perform Oscarilla. And you say, yes, they may not understand the words, and there is a lilt to the Irish language, there's a lilt uh, to the performance of songs in Irish, and there's a, a uniqueness about them. You're able to find that the audience are able to connect and pick up on that. Yeah, immediately. I mean, I'm sure you can remember as well, even listening to the, you know, the ballads at home or the old songs, Oscar Elgin, straight away you're captivated and something's turned on in your chest you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the only way I can describe it it feels it feels not natural to me and then when I sing in Irish it's it's almost like the jaw has the natural jaw shape it sounds weird but and I think yeah I think Germany and Austria they get it even in France they absolutely get it they love it you know the dynamic in the room changes the energy changes and everyone just knuckles down and but it's interesting what you said about our subculture as well back in Ireland the way you know that tradition is bubbling underneath and it's starting to overflow now which is great indeed because I know when even when I look at my listener uh, statistics Germany would be right up there on the ones that are tapping in yeah. and uh, yeah. I know a lot of as, as you mentioned Planet and Alton and some others but I know an awful lot of Irish performers uh, are very successful on the continent and particularly in yeah. Germany and they look on it as yeah. a very fertile market so from a, a work perspective then creativity you've been writing and you've a discography out there you have a number of CDs under your belt what's the count at this stage? this is number four number, number four, four. Number four, good for you. Tell us a bit about this one. When did it come out? Well, it's not officially out. It's it's when I say officially out, it's it's available for fans, and if I'm doing shows, people can pick it up, and you can pre-order. But it comes out on the 21st of September officially to streaming sites, right? And all of that. Um, yeah. So I'm, I I decided to stick it out a little bit earlier so people could get a hard copy quicker, you know, right. instead of the other way around. And um, I think in the current climate, what would how would you describe the feel of if someone was to say, well, you know, uh, what would be the mood of this particular one? It's Irish. It's, it's Irish songs. It's English songs, but it's an Irish album. It's a folk album, yep. ballads, and um, it's. Mm, Six songs are self-penned, and four are one of the old, you know, are the go-to ballads from back home that I grew up listening to that have, you know, in all honesty, shaped my writing. You know, songs like uh, Raglan Road, even um, Dublin in the Rare Old Times. No, no sorry, um, Molly Malone, Alive Alive O, Greenfields right. of France, and, and an old ballad called Renardine that have influenced me. You know, it's it's interesting when you when you mention some of those because uh, I know you would know and be very familiar with Lancome and their style and how they're drawing on the old street ballads and how popular that has become and how that is also presenting a connection with a time past, a time of the 40s, 30s, 40s and 50s and even the style that these were being sung in 
you know, and it was the Ronnie Drew, and it was the Luke Kelly, and again, there's a particular, when I listened to, uh, I remember I met those guys in Ennis a number of years ago, uh, when they were going under their previous name, and um, I, I listened to the CD as I drove back from Ennis to, uh, I was going to Athlone at the time, and uh, it got me from Athlone, from Ennis to Athlone, um, I won't tell you the speed I was travelling, because, although... <laughs> <laughs> speed, you were the, the speed of the jigs, I'm sure. That yeah, that's right, that's right. But yeah, you're right. That, that there's, a, 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 I suppose, a reawakening for yeah. for yeah. that. I think so. You know, there's something magical in 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 those old songs. You know, and even the language. You know, the melody. There's just something magic. And then, you know, I'd like to think with the songs that I'm writing, I'm trying to reach out to touch that and, and to draw from that because um, you know it sounds simple but you try and write a chorus like the live a live oh you know yeah yeah. It, it's, it's simplicity and it's, it's majestic all, all at the same time so Shane I mentioned in the intro you know this has been a difficult time for people in the gig industry how have you been coping from just every day getting up in the morning not knowing or knowing that you know there's really no gigs that there's as a result income is affected um, you're around in your own space with um, your good lady from uh, that vicariously from West Cork um, and um, has, it, has it been taking a toll and how have you been coping um, financially it has I'm I'm very lucky to have a very a very good partner, you know, in Sabina, and um, I've always worked in in a kind of insular model with an insular model, you know. So motivation is very very important. So luckily enough, I have a system. I get up, I go for a run, go for a walk, and if it gets too heavy, you know, we can talk or play a few tunes. And that's the great thing about music, Austin. You know, it's. It, like I call it angel food it, it lifts the spirits and it you know and again I think in these times we were very fortunate to be able to have those that skill set um, but that's not to say it wasn't difficult I mean it's again I was lucky to throw myself into an album I had the basis of it there so I worked solidly on that and the time flew but you know for probably the month of April it was pretty scary because we seen the gigs drying up and you're thinking when is this going to stop? And I'm still losing gigs even now. So, but, you know, I, I thought it was a very important thing you said about mental health. It's massive, especially even for artists, because we can, we can delve into the deeper parts of the, the psyche, you know, and we do that randomly and often. But I think, luckily enough, as I said, I've been able to get out and go for walks here in Austria. And, yeah, running, running has been great. And I would have imagined normally you would have been able to drop back to Dublin and visit family or just connect um, and keep that side of the um, sanity going. That must have been the challenge also because I know know, for all of us it's difficult that uh, we have to limit our connection with our own families. Yeah, that's that's been the hardest part. You know, that's been, you kind of, and the funny thing is just you put that away, you block that away because, you know, because... You know, every time the phone rings from Ireland, you're going, oh, what's, what's going to come in now, you know? My mother and my father are in that kind of over-70s bracket. I haven't been home in eight months. Normally, I'll be back every two months, even for a weekend. Mm-hmm. My mum's not the best, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's difficult. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how are they coping? 
they seem to be flying around, you know, mm. ignoring all the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they seem to be okay. They remember, like, your dad says they're doing grand, and the girls are floating around as well, my sisters. So, right. yeah, and how about yourself? How's everybody doing with you? Same as with you. Like, we have to obey the rules and uh, limit our contact, even with we're in a bubble with my daughter and hers, but my other daughter. Um, uh, this weekend we're, we were planning on going down and we've had to have a discussion about the rules that when we're in space that we wear masks and that it's okay and yeah, that, yeah. you know yeah. even though it's family uh, these are challenging times and uh, like you I've, I've uh, scheduled daily that uh, I devote time every morning to uh, what I would describe as uh, mental health exercises um, right. and set me up for the day and fortunately being able to talk to people like you also keeps me grounded because that's part of the structure of my week right yeah. no it's great it's great to hear because of, you know it's not something we talk about too much yeah. you know and it's very good to put it out there yeah and, and it's, yeah, I've been blessed because last, last week I had a good chat with Luca Bloom and um, right. Luca like you has kind of lost lots of gigs and he's in there in West Clare and the week before I was chatting with Brian Kennedy and uh, Mary Coughlin and mm -hmm. Sean Keane um, you know again all very much impacted in every respect and you see it's in every respect it's not just one thing there's so many strings to these bows it's not just your career it's the harder part is not in many cases the music and the gigs it's your own space your own house you're in uh, you know um, <coughs> it's like a few years back my wife and I went sailing in a 23 foot and you know if you're spending that amount of time in that amount of space with somebody yeah, you have to things have to work yeah thankfully it did it did Shane Shane we're going to share a piece of your music but I want to thank you for taking the time it's been great having a chat with you and it's been great Not meeting you and getting to know you and uh, we need to keep keep in connection and all the rest and hopefully that things ease out where we can all reconnect face to face with people and that we can get hugs and give hugs again what I do need from you is where's the website, where's the Facebook page, and all that kind of good stuff. And um, the website is shaneofarial.com. You'll get everything there in one place. Fantastic, Shane. It's been great chatting with you, and uh, thanks a million for taking the time. Not at all, Austin. Tour Aris,